I want to first of all say uh, from uh, Connie and I, uh, thank you to all for all your kindnesses last week for the uh, 50th uh, uh, wedding anniversary celebration you gave us and uh, all the nice cards and all the rest of it. And it was uh, it was a surprise, and we but we do appreciate it so much. I see that after last week, everybody stayed home. No, the, it, it rained or something. I don't know. And that's what happens around here. It's like a blizzard, you know. But uh, no, thank you again very much. We we sincerely appreciate it, and uh, we love you, and we appreciate it so much. Um, we had a great time in um, in Israel, and, and a lot of people have expressed to me that they like to go. Of course, liking to go and spending the money to go is two different things. But uh, and in January, I'll put together a, a little uh, 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 list, and if you if you're really truly interested in going on a tour to Israel, everybody should be there. Should go there. You're going to go there eventually, but you might as well see it this side of the of the uh, Armageddon. So uh, see the Valley of Armageddon before it, you know before it's filled with horses with the blood all the way up to the horse's bridle. But uh, so in January we'll put together a list, and if you're interested, and I'll try to get a, a comp- an idea of the cost. It, Probably about thirty-five hundred a piece. It's not cheap anymore. Israel's gotten to be, uh, you know, very nice. Somebody said to me, said, "Were you? Did you feel unsafe?" Because you know, my children sent me to a war zone for our anniversary. You know, so. Uh, but no, uh, we landed on Tuesday, and there was sirens going off in Tel Aviv from the rockets being shot from Gaza. But the Iron Dome took down nearly every one of them. And uh, in addition to that, it's it, there's short range, they really can't get to Tel Aviv. Although it was a little disconcerting to walk into the hotel and they, they pointed out to us where the bomb shelter was. So, uh, But we never needed it. Uh, we went up to uh, uh, Benias, which is Caesarea Philippi, and uh, some of you saw the post I made on Facebook, uh, you know, speaking about the gates of hell there. And that's right on the Syrian border, and we left there... Uh, you know, there's a minefield as you go down the road, and um, big warning because Syria is just literally right there. And uh, that night, they shot uh, the Iranians' uh, proxy in Syria shot four missiles into Israel, and the Iron Dome shot them down. But I, I tell you, I, we felt safer than than here, to tell you the truth. So uh, anyway, it's a great place. You need to go there, and uh, I promise you, you'll be perfectly safe. Um, not to be outdone by uh, Rayvon. Uh, I came across this on Facebook yesterday, and, and I thought it is, is worthy. I know it was written by a woman, and you'll know why in a second. But according to the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, while both male and female reindeer uh, grow antlers in the summer each year, male reindeer drop their antlers at the beginning of winter, usually late November or to mid-December. Female reindeer retain their antlers till after they give birth in the spring. Therefore, according to every historical rendition that depicts Santa's reindeer, every single one of them from Rudolph to Blitzen had to be a girl. And we should have known that. Because only women would be able to drag a fat man in a red velvet suit all around the world in one night and not get lost. I know it was written by a woman. That's, you haven't met my wife. She is, she is uh, uh, geographically uh, challenged. Uh, if she says go left, you can pretty well determine you needed to go right. <laughs> and I would say that in front of her. Fortunately, she's not here to hear it. So you could repeat that to her. Um, I want to, I, I have a, a, a word from the Lord that I, I want to share. And um, uh, I don't know if you remember, you know, 
prophets are real good about prophesying stuff, and they figure that by the time the next year rolls around, nobody will have remembered what they prophesied, so they can, you know, so they're safe if they prophesy something that doesn't happen. In the Old Testament, if you prophesied and and it was like you know something that wasn't going to happen six thousand years from now, uh, if it didn't happen, you got stoned. So I don't want to be stoned. But I, I, I gave a word. I heard a word from the Lord back in January this last year. And um, the word the Lord was this. God has sent his son into this world to lead us out. He's the breaker in, into a new realm of blessing. And I said, that I heard from the Lord that this is a year of supernatural acceleration. How many remember me saying that? Okay. And of what God wants to do to bring us quick breakthroughs for those things that have been held back from us. And it will manifest as an anointing upon God's people to help us draw closer to God. And as we draw closer to him, the anointing will enlarge upon us and break off and break through for them in every area of their life. If we'll just be doers of his word and not be hearers only, um, it will require something from us to seek after him. But I believe that I heard the word of the Lord say, this is a year of supernatural, accelerated breakthrough of new beginnings, of anointing, fatness, doesn't mean from Thanksgiving, and healing, okay? So that was the word I got, and I, you know, and I was considering the Lord just brought it back to my mind this week, and, and um, you know, one of the things that you, you wonder about is, you know, did I hear from the Lord? Uh, has it happened? And, and here's the question of the moment. Uh, although we've got a word from the Lord of accelerated breakthrough, some of you are still saying, why am I still waiting for my breakthrough to come to pass? Uh, where is this supposed breakthrough, right? Uh, I need it now. Um, I was thinking about what, what are some of the words of the Lord to us? He says, well, the promises have been that, you know, I have heard your prayer. I will sustain you. I will provide for you. Uh, that job is yours. I'm the Lord that heals you. Uh, don't be anxious for anything. Um, you know, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Relationships are, are mended. Um, and, you know, those are, not, those are not dead words just plucked from the Bible. They're rhema words to a lot of you. God has spoken to you. And, and his word is true, and his word has authority, and his word is filled with power. At the same token, sometimes we find ourselves with our backs against the wall. And, and I looked that up, and, and you know, I know what it means, but, but literally the, the expression means to be fenced in unable to move backward because of a wall and unable to move forward because something is blocking our way. We're literally between a rock and a hard place. You heard that expression, right? But did you know that's not scriptural? Jesus said, he's the way. He said, I'll always give you a way. And actually, uh, if you're between a rock and a hard place, if the rock is Jesus, you're in a good place. There is an answer I know it looks difficult. I, I, I know, I know we're, 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 there are oftentimes many of us feel like, you know, I've been waiting and I've been trusting God and, and there's just nothing happening here. But you see, it's, most of that is, is coming from the way we see our situation. 
Not from the way God sees it, but from the way we see it. Well, I'm standing here, you know, <laughs> in the middle of a trouble. But God sees I'm making a way. God sees you can't lose. God sees you win. But I'm still between this. I've got my back against the wall, and I don't see a way out. But see, God has never declared defeat for his people. He's always declared victory. Now, here, here's a promise. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Thanks be to God, more than a week of Thanksgiving, who always, say always, always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. You are the aroma of Christ wherever you go, and God leads you in a triumphal procession out of the problem into the victory. That's a promise from the Lord. It's a promise for you. We need, to get, we need to begin to get the mind of Christ about our circumstances. So I want to encourage you today that when your back is against the wall, all you got to do is knock the wall bound behind you, and there's a way of escape. In spite of what the problem looks like, God will make a way. So I'm going to show you a man with a big wall and a big problem. And let's see what we can learn from the situation. If you turn your Bibles to the book of Joshua, we'll put it up here on the screen. In the book of Joshua, the children of Israel have wandered around in the desert for 40 years. And um, now they've come to the banks of the Jordan River. And God is speaking to Joshua. Moses is dead. They've got a new leader. They're about to go into the promised land after all this time. And, and God speaks to Joshua in verse, verses 6 of chapter 1. He says, be strong and courageous because you're about to lead these people into the land of their inheritance that I promised to your fathers. I swore I'm going to give you the land. You're about to lead them. He says it again to him, be strong, Joshua, and courageous. Be bold. Be careful to obey all the word that I gave you, gave to my servant Moses. Do not turn from the left or from the right. If God has said it, don't try to supplant it with some idea of your own. Follow the word of the Lord. Because if you follow the word of the Lord, hear me, this is a very important point. If you follow the word of the Lord, you will be successful and prosperous. Anybody want to be prosperous and successful? Put the word of God to effect in your life. Follow its precepts. Don't cheat people. Don't steal. Don't, don't lie. Don't, do what God said. And if he's given you a promise, you hang on to it and follow it as if it was true because you will be successful and prosperous. God promised. God promised. Verse 8, keep the book of the law, keep the word of God always on your lips. In other words, don't be saying stuff that God didn't say. Don't say stuff about your situation or circumstances that God didn't say. Don't say all the negative stuff that's so easy to say. Start saying what God says. Meditate on the word of God day and night. See, we talked a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, back in October, about renewing our minds. 
And if you put the word of God in your hearts and in your minds, he says, then be very careful to do it. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer. And then you will be prosperous and successful. So if the word of God is your source and the word of God is in your heart and the word of God is on your lips and the word of God is you're following after, you have, you have to be prosperous and successful. Hmm. Verse nine, have I not told you? Have I not commanded you? I'm gonna give you the land. I've given you the promises. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't look at what the world is looking at. Don't look at your circumstance that's right in front of you. Don't look at what people say about your situation. You, you see what God sees. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord God will be with you wherever you go, however you go, wherever you go. I'll be with you, says the Lord. If God be for you, what? Who can stand against you? So God speaks to Joshua and says, I've given you the land. Now you got to go in and take it. There's Hittites there. There's Canaanites there. There's Perizzites there. There's Jebusites there. There's all kinds of ites there. They're all over the place. But I've given you the land. You understand what he's saying? I've given, here's the promise. I've given you healing. Go in and take it. I know there's disease. I know there's this disease, that disease, that disease, that. There's, there's so many diseases, we can't even list them all. I know what the world says, but I've given you my healing. You're going to have to fight for it. But you will overcome. And you will succeed. Now, I, I, I know people die, and I know people have diseases and so forth, but God's made a promise. I'm going to trust God no matter what it says. I mean, no matter what the world says. This is what I'm going to trust. If you meditate on the word day and night, God says, I will make you prosperous and successful. If you'll rely on the word, be true to the word, think on the word, put it in your heart, put it in your mouth, confess it with your mouth, he says, you cannot fail. Anybody tried that recently? Now, go to chapter three. And I want to read verses five and six. So, they're at the bank of the Jordan River. The bank, the River Jordan is overflowing. It's harvest time and the river is coming down from the Mount Hermon and, and all the springs are flooding the place and it's not just a creek anymore, it's a mighty river. And uh, God has told Joshua what they're about to do and he, so he's gonna tell the people and he comes to the people and he says, consecrate yourselves. What does consecrate mean? It means set yourself apart for God. Be sold out for God. Be, get on God's side for a change instead of you know, trying to be wishy-washy on every other side. He said, get on God's side because tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That used to be out here on the wall in the, in the, rear lo in the front lobby. And um, I believe that. I, I believe God is up to something. I believe you're gonna see amazing things. That God's not finished with us, with you, with this church, or anything. And uh, he says, and then Joshua said to the priest, now, I want you to take the ark. Remember what the ark represents. The ark represents the presence of God because the Shekinah glory of God was literally physically seen above the ark. And he says, tells the priest, I want you to take the ark in front of the people, and they went out to the edge of the river. And, I, and I, want you to, I want you to follow the presence wherever it goes. In verse 13, it says, go to the next verse. 
As soon as the priests who carry the ark, the presence of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. God says to Joshua, and he tells the people, consecrate yourselves. Tomorrow, God's gonna do amazing things. Tomorrow comes, and now he tells the priests, take the word of the Lord, take the ark of the covenant, take the presence of God out to the edge of this river that's overflowing. It, it, it's, it's a mighty river. You cannot get across it. We got two million people over here on the bank of the river and they gotta get to the other side of Gilgal and up there there's Jericho. But in the meantime, we gotta get across this river. And, and, and they're going, how? How? And, and Joshua tells the people, what God has told him, once you take the ark, the presence of God, and you step into that circumstance, you step into that problem, you step into that obstacle, I'm going to remove it. I'm going to bring you a breakthrough. The title of my sermon is It's Time for a Breakthrough. It's time for a breakthrough. And when you step your feet into the water, it's going to stop upstream like a mighty wall, and you're going to be able to walk across it. And verse 14 says... So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge. Now think of this. You're carrying the Ark. You're a priest of God. You, in fact, are a priest of God and you are carrying the presence of God in you. As soon, in the front of you is an obstacle that cannot be surpassed, that cannot be overcome. There's no way across this, but God says, take the presence and step into the water. And when you take the step of faith into the water, the waters will stop. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm carrying this big old heavy chest, there's four of us, and you're asking me to go into a river that's gonna wash me away. That there's no way we can get across that. Yet I've got to either, I have a two choices. I can say no, or I can obey. And if I obey, I'm probably gonna die if I left up to my own mind, right? But of course we know what happened. Verse 16 says, now the water from upstream, as soon as they stepped in, See, as soon as we take it by faith, we say, you know what? I'm, I'm not listening to what they've said. I'm gonna receive what God has told me in the word. I'm stepping into my promise. And as soon as they stepped into the river, the water stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the, sea, to the Dead Sea okay, was completely cut off. And so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And verse 17 says, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant stopped in the middle of the Jordan River on dry ground and allowed all the rest of Israel to pass across on dry ground, just like they did through the Red Sea. Now, you follow the presence of the Lord wherever it goes. If God is saying you go this way, then you go that way. If the word of God says to go this way, then I'm going that way. Take a step of faith into the overflowing rivers of your circumstances and, and see what God will do. He'll make a way where there was no way. You couldn't see a way. There was no way across this river, but God said, I'll make a way. I'm the way. Have faith in his word. Even before you see it, step forward into your destiny because God has already decreed a breakthrough for you. It's time for a breakthrough.
it's time for a breakthrough. Now, I want to continue over to Joshua chapter 6, if you put that up for me, verses 1 and 2. So Jericho has heard about the Israelites who've been, who defeated Og and who defeated some of these other people along the way, and now they're headed to their house. And Jericho, we were just there. Jericho's not a big, big place. It's called this, Jericho means city of palms. It's right there on the Jordan River. It's, it's you know, well, a few thousand feet from the Jordan River. And um, it's, uh, uh, it probably, the city in, in, during this time, probably only encompassed maybe eight, 10 acres at the most. No, not a big city, but it had double walls that were six feet thick and only one way in. So it was kind of an insurmountable thing. They had heard about these Israelites coming, and now they're here. There's two million, there's two million Jews who just crossed the, Red, I mean, the Jordan River on dry ground. And the gates were securely shut up. No one was coming in. No one was going out. And look at verse 2. God says to Joshua, I've given you the city. Now, I would suggest that if you've got 700,000 fighting men, you could probably hold out against the city long enough to take it eventually. That's what usually happened. They would besiege the city and you know, eventually people would starve and they'd, you know, they'd give up and they'd come in. And you know, it might take a while, but you could win. But God says to Joshua, I've given you the city. There is, there's nothing here but a big wall. I've given you the city. How are we going to get that? There's no way in the natural that we could possibly overcome those walls. Put that slide back up. But God said, I'm going to give you a breakthrough. Has God spoken that to you? I'm going to give you a breakthrough. See, they don't have any explosives. They don't have any anti-tank weapons. They don't have any RPGs. They don't have any artillery. All they got is some people with shofars. Hmm. God says, I've given you its rulers. I've given you the king, its army. You win, past tense. You already won. I've, I have given you the city. As far as God sees it, it's done. It's done. Just go take it. What's wrong with your faith anyway? And, and the people say, will you look at the size of those walls? What, what are we going to do? There's no hope. There's no job. There's no money. You know, let's go try something else because those walls aren't coming down. Not today. See, that's the mindset of, of the world. That's the mindset of most of the church. Sometimes God sends us a dream to give us direction. Occasionally, he sends a prophetic word. Sometimes we see a vision. But I want to tell you what. The way God usually directs me is through the Holy Spirit in his word. As I read his word, God, the word of God becomes alive and jumps off the page. And God says, that's for you today. That's for you. You, you, you take that word and you walk in it and you, you hold on to it. 
the way of escape, the, way, the ability to, to overcome, uh, the, 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 the faith that I will need to, to overcome the, the walls of the city that are standing in front of me where I need to break through, God will give it to me. The, the problem is that we, we think this was applied, this is a great story to tell little children. And maybe Elijah or Paul or somebody. But God is saying today, my word is alive and it's for you. I've given you everything you write right here you need for what? Prosperity and success. If you'll meditate on it, if you'll think on it, if you'll speak it, if you'll decree it, if you'll declare it, if you can't, if you can believe that with God all things are possible, then they are. They are. The walls that are in front of you or the walls behind your back that you're up against will be knocked down. I said it, God said, I have given you the city. I have given you the breakthrough. Now go take it. Have you ever been paralyzed by how overwhelming something in your life is? I just don't know what to do. You look at the sheer size of the, of the obstacle in front of you and you think, it's impossible. There's, there's no way. There's no way. I, th I think we've all been there. This relationship is too broken. This debt is too big. This person is too far gone. The obstacle in front of us can often seem impossible. But if it's what God told you to do, then nothing is impossible. For with God, what does he say? All things are possible. You can't do it on your own, absolutely. There is no way those Israelites could get through that wall. They would have to stand outside and keep the food from coming in or whatever. It might be take six months, but eventually they'd win. But there is no way they're getting through those walls. Two double walls, six feet thick, houses built on top of the walls. And the problem is that for many people, we, we read this stuff and we go, well, you know, It seems like nonsense. Where would Joshua have been if he had heard God say, I've given you the city, and he said, no way, Jose. Ain't no way. You're not talking to me. I see those walls. Because, you know, Proverbs 23, 7 says a great thing. He says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Whatever you think about your situation, about yourself, that's who you are. So this is the process that, that God took Joshua through. Understand, Joshua was a young man, and he began to help Moses. He started out like a lot of Christians do, new Christians. He started out as a servant to the big guy. But when I read Exodus, and I didn't give this to him, to, and I'll just read it to you. It's, it's found in Exodus 33, 11. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then he went back to the camp. But his servant Joshua, he spoke him face to face in the tabernacle, in the area. And Moses left the tabernacle, went back to the tent. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not leave the tabernacle. For the next 40 years... Joshua slept in the tabernacle. He slept in the presence of the Lord. God was preparing him for what was about to come. And he stayed in the presence of the God. You know, he's, 
as a result, when he was tasked by God to lead these people, he was ready. He had no problem having the faith to overcome even giants in the new land. Why? Because he was living close to God. He had faith in God. He had faith in the word of God. When he heard God say it, he walked in it as if it were so. Isn't that the hard thing for so many of God's people? God said it, now do it. Not just God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, God said it, believe it, do it. Do it. And all Joshua had to do was meditate on God's word day and night and he was guaranteed success. All he needed was what the word of the Lord was about his circumstance, about his situation. And once he had the word of the Lord, he was guaranteed to succeed. He couldn't lose. The fix was in. So now God, God tells him, I want you to go, well, we're going to read it. Uh, let, let's go to chapter 6 again, verse 6. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests, and he told them, Take the Ark of the Covenant, that's the presence of the Lord, and have seven priests carry shofars or trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. In verse 9, the armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpet, and the rear guard followed the ark, and this time all the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So, so here's, the, here's the premise. So, so he's got the priests, the four priests, and they're carrying the ark. He's got bunch of priests with shofars behind them, blowing the trumpets. He's got an armed guard in front of him and the army behind him. The army of Israel in that, at that point was 700,000 men. He says, and I want you to walk around silently around the city. Don't open your mouth until I tell you. Verse 11. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city. He circled it once. The army came back to the camp. And Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpets. And the armed men went ahead of the Lord and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. And so on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. And they did this for six days. You know the story, right? So. Here is our man of faith. He got God's word on the situation. Now, if ever there was a word of the Lord that seemed like it was nonsense, this was it. I want you to take the ark. I want you to get seven priests. I want you to give them each a shofar. I want them to walk in front. I want then an armed guard accompanying them. And I want the army of the Lord behind them. I want you to circle the city. Don't say a word. And I want you to do it six days in a row. Six days in a row. This is the plan that God has given a man to bring a breakthrough into the city of Jericho. 
You know what they would do to you if you came up with a plan like that if you were the general of the United States Army? You'd be so far down, you'd be at some post in Upper Mongolia someplace the next day. Okay? This is, this is craziness. And Joshua is able to motivate two million people to obey it. And 700,000 men partake, and they're marching around this 10-acre city. Why? Because Joshua believed God. And don't forget, the river had just opened up before them. The people were pretty well pumped about that. Right? He knew it was God. He knew the word of the Lord. And so what was his response? He obeyed it. Even though it seems like craziness and nonsense, okay, he knew it was God. You know, I tell you the truth. It's kind of exciting to be in a really tight place where the only way out is if God shows up. You might not think that, but, you know, when you're facing a crisis and the only hope you've got is God, man, what that finally means is, you can't do it on your own. You never could, but now you have to realize that. And the only way you're going to get any help is if God shows up. Financial situation, crisis, whatever. The answer to, to what you have to do in the midst of those tight situations is to grab your sword and determine and, and find God's word and pray and seek the Lord. And when he says it, then you work on it. You, you believe it and you act upon it. I say it again. Could be a crisis in your family. Could, could be, you know, whatever. He might tell you to do something that seems so fantastic. Actually, when I hear something that seems so outrageous, I know it's God because I never would have thought of it that way. I can guarantee you Joshua knew it was God. I want you to march around the cities for six days and don't say anything. Seriously? That's your plan, Lord. Good plan. The people will think I'm nuts. Oh, well. I don't know how we had a great Thanksgiving. The whole family is gathered and, you know, we're, we're all believers. But, you know, try to explain to somebody... I, um, I give 10% of my money to God. That's crazy. You need that money. You're, you're, I, got, I got one that's better than Ravon's. There was a priest at the Catholic Church, and he got a phone call one day, and they said, is this Father O'Malley? And he said, yes, this is Father O'Malley. He says, um, this is the IRS. Um, we want to know, do you have a member in your congregation by the name of Tom Houlihan? And Father O'Malley says, well, yes, I do. Yes, I, yes, I do. Tom Houlihan, he's been a member here for many years. Good. The IRS man says, um, has Tom given the church $10,000? And Father O'Malley, there's a long pause, and he says, He will. It's craziness to people. I, I sat on a plane on the way to London last week or a week ago, and, and uh, 
this Israeli, I think I mentioned, you know, was an entrepreneur, startup guy. He's in his 30s, and he's just started his big company. He's doing artificial intelligence for um, steering ships across oceans and into ports and everything else. I mean, the guy's brilliant, okay? Went to the MIT of Israel, and so I can't even imagine how smart the guy is. And I said, are you religious? And he said, no. He said, oh, most of my family was killed in the Holocaust in Auschwitz. And uh, when that happened, we turned our backs on God. There can't be a God to allow who would allow so many people to die such horrible deaths. And he said, what do you do? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm a pastor of a church. He says, oh, do I call you a father? I said, no. He says, uh, so... Uh, how, how, how do you live? Do you live on donations? I said, eh, pretty much. Pretty much. That's just craziness to him. And I tried to share with him about, you know, the fact that every time Israel turned its way away from God, God always brought difficulty, judgment, in fact, on them to get them to repent, to turn back to God. And then he blessed them. And I said, I, I can't say for sure. All, I certainly don't know. I said, but we live in an evil, fallen world. And I took him all the way to Adam. And I tried to teach him a little bit. He knows absolutely zero about God or about the Bible, about Torah or anything. And so I taught him about Adam and original sin. And I said, you know, as a result, we live in a fallen world where evil happens. And I said, you know, God could intervene, and he has intervened, but he... He chooses to have men turn to him because they want him. And um, he finally had enough of it and stood up and I left him alone. And I tried to share with him about some of the miracles that I've seen. I said, you know, what are the odds, Dor, that I could say a prayer over somebody who's totally deaf, can't even hear my prayer, and anything would happen at all? And he said, zero. No, no percentage whatsoever. It couldn't happen. I said, well, it did. It does. It has. It still is. See, that's just craziness to him. But that's what God said. And the smartest guy who went to MIT of Haifa University in, 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 in Haifa, Israel, has no concept of that. But I don't care what he thinks. I want to know, what, is this, what does God say? You may be able to steer ships across the ocean or into ports and navigate them with artificial intelligence, but there's a superior intelligence that created all of this in the first place. And so when God speaks to Joshua and says, I want you to march around the city for six days, Joshua believed it. Why? Joshua had spent time in the presence of the Lord. Forty years, in fact. He, he meditated on the word. He put it, put it first. He, he knows... He knows that he's going to win. He, already, he, he sees it before it comes to pass. Have you ever wondered why God told Israel not to say anything for six days? Don't you understand? What was it got them in trouble in the first place? Their mouths, speaking their unbelief. There's giants in the land. We'll never make it. So God wasn't going to have them, God was not going to allow them to circumvent his breakthrough by their unbelief coming out of their dumb mouths. I mean, can you imagine, well, A, 
I think it would intimidate the people in the city to have 700,000 people marching around a 10-acre city for six times. They'd be scared out of their, you know, whatever. Okay. Their Tommy Johns would roll up and down. But, but he's trying to teach Israel something. He's trying to teach them obedience. Get that? No. <laughs> oh, it's underwear. Okay, sorry. You have to watch TV to see the commercials. He says, what's a Tommy John? It's a, it's a, it's a no-roll underwear, okay. Anyway. I guess you had to be there. I don't know. <laughs> Watching way too many commercials. Okay. But, it, but God is trying to teach Israel obedience. And he's trying not to allow them to have their unbeliefs abort the miracle. Stop the breakthrough. Because it would have. Can you imagine? Now, they may have been thinking it, but they weren't saying it. There's something about confessing the word, isn't there? Those of you have been going to Pastor David's class, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, remember, everybody over the age of 20 died because of their mouths, because of their confession, because of their unbelief. Don't you think God could have brought the breakthrough the first day? But he's teaching them something. He is testing their faith. I want to tell you something. This is, this is really where the crux of where I wanted to go. I, I believe the word of the Lord has accelerated breakthroughs, but I also think God, God, did you know God tests your faith? He does. I've given you a promise, God says. What if it doesn't come today? What if it doesn't come next week? What if it doesn't come till next year? Will you still be faithful? Because I am. My word is true. I promised. God makes a promise. God cannot lie. And so for six days, they got to walk around. I mean, th think of how many times that happened in the Bible. I, I was going over it in my mind. I mean, when Naaman came to Elisha, what did Elisha tell Naaman to do? He told Naaman to go to the River Jordan and dip seven times and his leprosy would be cured, right? Why seven times? Why did he have to dip seven times? One, to teach him humility. Two, to teach him obedience. There are lots of rivers in, in, in Syria where I come from. Uh, he said, did I, you know, why do I have to dip seven times in the Jordan River? Because God said so. His testing of his faith. How come... Elijah, after he defeated the 450 prophets of Baal, and God gives him a word and tells him, it's about to rain, Elijah, go tell Ahab. What did Elijah do? He got down on his face up on top of Mount Carmel. I was right there in that place last week. And, and you're looking across the entire, to the, to the east, you can see all the valley of Armageddon. To the south, the plains of Jezreel. To the west, you can see Haifa. And, you know, you're looking in the Mediterranean. You're looking across there, and he's got this great victory. The prophets of Baal have been killed. And God says, here's a word, Elijah. After three and a half years, it's going to rain. Go tell Ahab it's going to rain. He goes and tells Ahab. And then what does he do? He gets down on his face. There's not a cloud in the sky. And he prays seven times. After the first time he prays, he asks the servant, See anything? Nope. See anything? Second time? Nope. Third time? Nope. Fourth time? Nope. Fifth time? Nope. Sixth time? Nope. Seventh time? I see a cloud way in the distance coming in from the Mediterranean. It's about the size of my hand. That's it. 
Why did he need to do that? He had the word of the Lord. He sought the Lord. He was waiting on God. I think there was still some faith necessary for Elijah. And of course, then we find out later on he gets depressed and runs away. But, you know, the victory was theirs. But they were trying to, God was trying to test them, teach them, show them. You trust my word no matter what you see. Six days they walk around the the city and nothing happens. Verse 12. Joshua got up early the next morning on the seventh day. Okay. And And they marched around the city this time seven times. Seven times means complete. It's a perfect number. And the seventh time around, the priest sounded the trumpet blast. God commanded the art. Now you shout for all your words. You give God a praise today because God has given you the city. Nothing had changed yet. But now, now is the time for the breakthrough. This is the moment God has promised. You shout before you see the victory because God has promised. And this is the word. And the city and all that in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab and the prostitute you keep away. Tells them you can destroy everything. Everything, this is dedicated to God. It's the first, it's the tithe of everything else we're going to get. It's the first fruits. And he goes and they, and they destroy the city. The walls come down. And the seventh day, God gave them the victory. It took them seven days, you know, to, to get to that point, he inspired these people to march around the city, keeping their mouth. I mean, it can't, I can't imagine keeping 700,000 Jews quiet for six days. You got, you got three Jews, you got 12 opinions, and they'll give them all to you. Okay? But so, I mean, there's a miracle by itself. They all kept quiet. They obeyed the word of the Lord. God has decreed a prophetic victory for you. There's a word in this word for you. And God has decreed victory already ahead of time. Can you see it? God promised you win. The healing is yours. It's there in the word. Do you see it? The impossibility is overcome. The breakthrough is there. Do you see it? Get, get your mind renewed. Wrap your head around. Wrap your heart around the word of the Lord. Speak it. Confess it before you see it. Declare victory before you see the breakthrough because the walls are coming down. I promise you they are coming down. In fact, I want to just, I want to close with this in Hebrews 11, verse 30. Hebrews eleven thirty. 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around, marched around over seven days. If you were in my class and we've been, we were teaching about believing God for all those months and, and, and about faith, you notice somebody who's not mentioned here? Joshua's not. You see, it wasn't Joshua's faith alone that defeated the army, I mean, defeated the walls of Jericho. It was a people's faith. It was them walking together in unity, obeying the word of the Lord. By faith, they marched around the city for seven days. They did what God said, even though they could not see an answer ahead of time. They believed the word that God gave to Joshua. And because of their faith, because they exercised their faith in in obedience, because they followed the presence of the Lord, they followed the word of the Lord. It wasn't the trumpets. It wasn't an earthquake. It wasn't Joshua. It was faith in the word of God brought the walls down 
I tell you, your breakthrough is coming. Every time in my life, God has wanted to take me to a new level. There's always been a challenge. I've experienced the same difficulties you have. None of us get to escape it in this life. The question is, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do in it? I have chosen to find the word of the Lord, put it in my spirit, put it in my mind, hang on to it, meditate on it, and speak it. In spite of what I see in front of me, because God said so. That's our choice. You can take this word or reject it. That's up to you. I believe there has been a shift in the atmosphere in this church, in this realm, and in my life, and in some of yours. And I believe God is up to something. Doesn't need me to bring it to pass. He's going to do it one way or the other. Doesn't need you, but he would like to use you. It depends on will we change our attitudes and say, you know what, I believe God. I believe he's given me the breakthrough. I believe I've got the healing. I believe I've got the job. I believe the relationship is mended. I believe all those things that you promised me. I believe my needs are met, Lord, because you, you declared it. I'm going to be strong and courageous. I'm going to put your word first in my, in my heart and in my mouth, and I'm going to meditate on it, and I'm going to follow your presence, and I know that I am, I am decreed success and prosperity. So what's the word of the Lord to you today? Have you found it? And once you've found it, do you believe it? Do you act upon it if it was true? Because when... when Joshua commanded the army to shout. They shouted, I'm sure they shouted, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Joshua heard the word of the Lord. He he committed it to the people. Even though the plan seemed outrageous, they did it anyway. And God empowered a bunch of refugees from Egypt to defeat the most impenetrable city that there was there in the land. And he gave them all the rest of the land They had many fights for many years later, but they won. We can take the land God has given us because he'd already told us we win. You can win the fight. You you don't have to stand with your back against the wall because God's bringing a breakthrough in that wall. The word of the Lord is still telling me that to tell you that this is still the season for accelerated breakthroughs. He has not taken back his word. I stand upon the promise of it. I tell you, you need to walk and I need to walk in faith and meditate on it and walk in obedience and we will see the manifestation God has promised. We will see the victory. It is time for your breakthrough. It is time for this church's breakthrough. It is time for this city's breakthrough. God is going to do it, I promise you. I am convinced of it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Before we go any farther, I know that we um, had communion and we prayed, and but I, I just, those who are watching by video link from Facebook or YouTube or Vimeo or whatever you're watching us on, or maybe you're here this morning and Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life. 
You cannot have success in this world without Jesus Christ. I tried to tell that young Israeli, Yeshua HaMashiach was the Messiah of Israel. He was having none of it, but I planted a seed. Today I tell you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And without him in your life in first place, you cannot succeed. It says, put the word first and you will be successful and prosperous. The word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us and his name is Jesus. If you wanna put Jesus in the first place in your life, lift your hand to the Lord. Are you watching by video? Just lift your hand to God right where you are and say, I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. Does anybody need to make that confession this morning? Yes, sir. All you've gotta do is say, Jesus, forgive me. I wanna know you. I wanna be led by you. I want you in my life. I give you over my life to you, Lord. I surrender to you. Help me live for you. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for receiving me. And thank you for being Lord of my life. Not just Savior, but Lord. That means he gets to direct it. I surrender my life to yours, Jesus. Amen. Are you facing a wall this morning? Is your back up against one? Jesus said to tell you, it's time for your breakthrough. It is time for your breakthrough. It is time for your breakthrough. You hang on. You walk in faith. You walk in obedience. You, you walk in a revelation that Jesus Christ has made a way for you and he will always make a way for you, that your needs are met, that he has healed your body, that he has saved you, that he's renewed you, redeemed you. You've been given an inheritance, undefiled, incorruptible, that shall not pass away. You are seated with him in the heavenly places and the enemy is under your feet. You are not defeated, but you are victorious. God said to tell you that you're a winner. That the breakthrough is yours and just hang on because it's coming. You may be marching around the city. It may be the sixth time, but tomorrow's the seventh day. It's coming, says the Lord. You hang on. You don't quit. You have faith in the word of God and you will be prosperous and successful. Father, I bless your people. They're the head and not the tail. They're blessed going in and coming out. They're blessed at all they put their hands to do. They're walking in the divine favor favor of the Lord. Lord, imagine we're walking in the divine favor of God. Do you have any idea what that means to you? That he made you promises and he's keeping them. That their bodies are healed, their relationships are healed, their finances are healed and blessed, their families are blessed, their children are blessed, their marriages are blessed. They are your children and heirs to every promise you have made. Father, I bless them in the precious, matchless, mighty name of the Most High God. His name is Jesus. And all who believe it, say amen. Amen. Tell somebody you love them this morning. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night.